thank you tonight for your faithfulness to to God's house. I want to turn your attention to the book of John, the 13th chapter. If you'll go there with me, the book of John, the 13th chapter. This is beginning at verse 33. Jesus is gathered here with his disciples at the Last Supper, and he is teaching them, and, and these are the words that he says. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot go, so now I say unto you. In other words, he's saying, where I am going, you cannot go yet, and so I'm sharing this with you. Verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, it's difficult enough, the first part of that, that you love one another, but then, then he gives the second part of that, which almost makes it um, substantially more difficult. To love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on an identity of love. And I wonder if just for a moment, would you just lift your hands to the Lord and call on him? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your spirit that's here. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. God, we glorify your name and ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive from you. Lord, we love and give you all the praise and we glorify your name. We worship you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Speak to every heart, to every family, to every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated tonight. Excited to have the youth group in with us as well. I'm young enough, and I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. I'm young enough that the youth group gets to stay in when I'm here. Amen, amen. So here Jesus is, is giving the disciples a, a, a heads up that soon that they would have to make do in his absence. He wouldn't be there to physically interfere in in conflicts, to be there seated at the middle of the table as disciples discussed with one another. When questions would arise, like who is the greatest among us, he wasn't going to be there. And surely he'd be there in spirit, but he was preparing them for his physical absence. I can only imagine the sweet peace that they must have felt being in the physical presence of Jesus. And and here he is preparing them for the fact that soon he would be crucified. And as he is preparing them, he is admonishing them to care for one another. And and this is a difficult um, commandment. It's a difficult commandment because we are human and we don't always agree. I'd like to think that we always agree on everything. I'd like to think that it is cupcakes and sprinkles in God's kingdom. But we are flesh. He knows our frame. He knows what we're made of. He knows our inclinations to to be at, uh, to, to be opposed to one another, to be so easily offended 
The truth is it's easier to find bad news than it is good news. It is more difficult sometimes to find a, a, a positive, edifying word to say than it is to respond with a word that tears down. It's not hard to see that if you just take a moment and turn on the news. You'll realize very quickly that bad news spreads a lot faster than good news. And so knowing this, Jesus knew that in order to keep themselves, that they were going to have to attend one, uh, one, one unto another. And, and, and this whole time, he had modeled this very love in his life and, and was getting ready to model it in his death in, in, a, in a grandiose um, picture of his love for others. And in this way, they were to love one another. I don't know about you tonight. When I consider that kind of love, this manner of love, this no greater love, the scripture says, when I consider that kind of love, I'm challenged by the idea that I'm to love with that kind of love. Not only were they going to love with that kind of love, they were going to be identified by that love. We, we, we talk about being an apostolic people. And, and what we mean when we say we're apostolic is we mean that we are doing our best to return to an original Christ follower state of being. The, the, the same gospel, the same doctrine that was delivered to the apostles, that's the doctrine that we're doing everything that we can to preach and share as purely as possible. Not from creed, not from tradition, not from councils, from the word of God. And we actually are saying something very similar when we say we're Pentecostal. In the way we say we're apostolic, we're saying we're doing our best to keep the original doctrine, the original teaching of Christ unto the apostles. And when we say we're Pentecostal, what we're saying is that we are keeping that original experience. And so these terms are not terms to idolize. We do not idolize our identity. And, and we can celebrate that, surely. We, we should celebrate the fact that um, God has a people in the world and that we can be a part of that by his mercy. That's something to celebrate. But we can't get it twisted. You and I are sinners who have, have fallen short of the glory of God. And this serving God is a progressive thing that is taking place in my life. We um, shall be like him, the apostle Paul said yet. But in the fact that we shall be like them, he tells us, but we are not yet. And so we are progressively seeking Christ's likeness. And through the work of his spirit, Christ is being formed in us. I say that tonight to remind you that when we shout about, I'm an apostolic, I'm a Pentecostal, what we're really trying to, what we're really trying to be 
is, 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 is what the apostles were trying to be. And what the, the people gathered at the festival of Pentecost were seeking for. And that's Christ-likeness. I admire the apostle Paul. But I have to remind myself that the apostle Paul was trying to be like Jesus. I, I admire Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John weren't trying to be Peter, James, and John. Surely if I tried to spend all my time trying to be like Peter, I might run into a couple of issues. I might get some of the bad parts of being like Peter. And, and I say that tonight to say that what we're trying to be is to be like Jesus. And he tells us the way that we're going to be recognized in the world. We're not going to be recognized by the fact that we, um, it, it doesn't say here that we're recognized by the fact that um, we speak with tongues, although we do speak with tongues. It is not telling us here that we're going to be recognized just blatantly by the clothing we put on, although we do present our bodies before the Lord. But it's telling us that above all of these things, we're going to be recognized by loving as he loved. And, 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 and so the Apostle Paul, he addresses this, that if I speak with tongues of angels and have not charity, I, I become as sounding brass. Uh, it's, it, it's just noise at the point that the Spirit is not producing love. And so this great commandment, this commandment that is preparing them for his physical absence is a commandment that might be amongst the greatest we've ever been given. If you want to be an apostolic, if you want to celebrate the fact I'm a Pentecostal, then we've got to remember that that identity is an identity that is rooted in love. I think tonight of 1 Kings 10 when the Queen of Sheba is visiting Solomon. And she's visiting Solomon. She's observing the people. And as she observes them, she says something that, that sticks with me. Happy are thy men. Happy are thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. She was blown away that these people were really as happy and as blessed as, as, as the reputation said they were. She recognized them by the fact that they were at peace. They were in a unity with one another. They were in a pursuit of wisdom. And, 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 and in all of this, she admired it. So much to the point that she said, everything I'd been told to this point, the truth is the half has not been told. How much more true should it be that while we are interacting in the world, we're the hands and feet of Jesus? And I don't want people to get an experience with my flesh and perceive that to be some attribute of the God that we're trying to introduce them to. I don't want someone to have an experience with an, an, an impatient Christian and then assume that God is impatient. 
I, I want to tell you tonight that if you've had a bad experience, if you're in the shoes of having had a bad experience, don't you question for a moment, God is pure, and God is holy, and God is just, and, and, and the Lord loves you. He's not impatient. He's not ready to, to, to lash out at you in the way that maybe a, in a bad experience someone lashed out at you. And so in, in attempting to represent Christ in the world, this preeminent thing that, that, that shows people who we are in him, it's love. And the problem with that is that we begin to associate that with um, something simple like, like being nice. So maybe if I'll just put on an aura of being nice, you know, smile at them, wink at them, then, then I'm representing the love of God. But I, I don't think that's what we're being commanded to do. Certainly we should be nice. It would be nice if we smiled at people. Sometimes I know who's apostolic by the fact that when we run into one another, they don't smile. Hey, I hope that's not true of any of us tonight. And, and, and so when I'm, when I'm examining this love that he loved us with, then, then I've got to think about what, what kind of love that is and, and what manner of love that, that is. If that is a love, that is a nice smile. You know, good to see you, brother. Or if that is a love that demands so much more than the love that I am familiar with. I'd propose to you tonight that it is a love that demands so much more than a simplistic smile. And, and, and we know that because we can examine the life of Jesus and we know the depth of his love by a couple of things. We know the depth of his love by how much it cost. We know the depth of his love by the fact that it cost everything. We, we know the depth of his love by how little we deserve that love. And by knowing how little we deserve that love, we, we know how powerful and, and how transient that Christ-like love is. We, we know how great his love is by the impact that that love has on us and the impact that that love has on others. We, we know how deep that love is by the freedom that it offers others. It is not a love with strings attached. It does, it's not a love that says, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. I'll do something, you do something for me, I'll do something for you, we're even. It's not that kind of love. It is so, so much more than the human love that we're familiar with. Because we love people so as they deserve that love. We love people so as we feel like by loving them that that love will be reciprocated. We love people in a way that oftentimes we have expectations that are partnered with loving them. I love you. You're not being very kind to me. So I'm going to withdraw that love because you don't deserve that love. 
The problem is, is that he was not admonishing us to love with our love. He was admonishing us to love with his love. And that is a love that is given even when it is not deserved. It's a love that is given even when they're in the wrong and you're in the right. It's a love that is given even when you know that that love is not going to be reciprocated and given back to you. It's that kind of love. It's a love that when I love them, there's a freedom because I have no expectation of return. It's a Christ-like love. My, my concern is not that we haven't figured out how to be nice to one another. For the most part, most of us know how to do that. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you. But, but, but that surface kind of love, when, when then we are hurt, when a word is said that shouldn't have been said, when we're the opposing party in a difficult situation, and you know, Brother Jordan, you just don't understand. This is a complicated situation, and 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 this is a difficult one to navigate. And you just can't throw blanket love on that. I, here, here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. I'm telling you that it's a it's a love that is impossible without the enablement of His Spirit. It is the Spirit that enables me to love. We, we, as, as we continue to read our, our text, we read in a, a similar passage. It's two chapters later. John 15, Jesus is further giving instruction. And, and he, he's explaining a few things. He tells them, I am the vine, uh, the, the true vine, my father, the husbandman, every branch in me that beareth not fruit he hath taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that he may bring forth more fruit. He is painting a picture that we bear fruit by being connected to the vine. We don't bear fruit of our own accord. We don't have the ability to bear fruit simply by trying. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And so if you can picture tonight the branches that are reaching out into the various parts of the world, the branches that are reaching out to your job, to your school, to your lost family members, those are the branches. The book of Revelation would describe this same picture of a tree of life that those leaves were for the healing of the nations. And so these healing leaves and these reaching out branches were a product of being connected to the vine. And, 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 and so... He reminds them, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. He is speaking of the product of not abiding in him. And then he continues that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're going to ask anything, and, and, and it's going to be done unto you. And then he says, herein is my Father glorified, if you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. 
let's not get that twisted tonight that we're associating fruitfulness with the term productivity. Because sometimes our productivity runs right over the top of people. Sometimes in my will to do something for God, it is easy to associate that with fruitfulness and for it to produce the exact opposite effect that fruitfulness is intended to produce. Fruitfulness is clearly described. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and, 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 and these aspects of the fruit are products of being connected to the vine. Without the Spirit, I cannot bear fruit. By, by, by my attempt to try to be loving or to try to be joyous or to try to be at peace, I still fall short. I fall short when it is a product of my flesh, my fleshly attempt alone. But these fruits are direct products of the Spirit. And so beyond some kind of earthly idea of productivity, that I'm going to be productive in the world, that I'm going to win people through my productivity, the Lord had a different plan in mind. Certainly, there's an aspect of productivity, but I'll tell you how the world is going to be healed, how people are going to be reached, how the branches are going to stretch out, and the thing that those branches are going to produce. They're going to produce love. They're going to produce joy. They're going to produce the fruit of peace, of long-suffering. Now, that, that's a tough one because there's no way to long-suffer short. It's long-suffering. Gentleness, kindness, meekness. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on. Temperance? No, no, no. I wanted to get the microphone and, 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 you know, shout from the rooftops and see souls won and see mighty things happen and see harvest come about. But this harvest would be a product of allowing the fruit, the fruit that, that is born of the Spirit, to begin to feed hungry hearts in the world. It's leaves that, that begin to clothe people and cover sin and cover people and in their infirmity. These, these are products of fruitfulness, and this fruitfulness is a product of his spirit. So as he continues the abiding in him and us, him abiding in us and us abiding in him, he reminds us here in the 15th chapter of something very, very similar that we read to our text in the 13th chapter. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Again, as I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. This is the kind of love that I want you to love one another. Lo love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Here's what that love looks like. You haven't even seen it yet. The crucifixion hasn't even come to pass yet. But he's giving them an 
insight that soon as they would watch him upon that cross and they would remember those words, no greater love hath a man than this to lay down his life for his friends. Seeing him on the cross, they would see the picture of the kind of love that he was calling them to love one another with. This term is repeated 13 times throughout the New Testament. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another as I've loved you. 13 times, his reminder. This is not a, this is not a lesser matter. This is not a, a, a somehow, you know, people get frustrated and they say, well, well you know, that church, they, all they do is talk about love all the time. We're supposed to talk about love all the time. We're supposed to glory in his love all the time. We're supposed to worship and thank him for his love all the time. We're supposed to exemplify his love all the time. And that comes in moments like this. That love that they observed. As Malchus the soldier approaches... Peter reacts, as so often we do, cutting his ear. Many have said, rendering him unable to hear. And I think so often we can so easily do that. That we react as, as Peter did to Malchus with the best of intentions. But in doing so, we hurt people rather than fulfill this law of love. So that very soldier that was opposed to Christ, that very soldier that participated in bringing him into captivity, that very soldier, Jesus reached out and he healed his ear. It's that manner of love. It's the manner of love that even when it's not deserved, it's still given. It's a manner of love that even as he is being spat upon, beaten, whipped, chastised, a crown of thorns put on his head, nails driven through his hands and feet, that he can still say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got you there. I got you there. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Imagine if I was standing there in that moment and I heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? They got the hammer in their hands. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? I'd propose to you tonight that Jesus saw so much deeper than the surface. He probably looked at the man that spat upon him and he saw the father that spat upon that young man. I'm sure he looked upon the man that drew the sword and pierced his side. I'm sure as he looked upon that man that he saw the very same sort of thing that happened to that young man. And he looked upon them, their swords in hand, the hammer in the one man's, and was able with grace 
to say, Father, forgive them. They might think they know what they're doing. But the truth is there's so much more behind this. They really don't know what they're doing. I want to tell you tonight that we've got to love with that kind of love. I know it seems like they know what they're doing. I know when they hurt you, it seems like they knew exactly what it was that they said. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's hurt behind that. There's trauma behind that. There's flesh behind that. There's all sorts of things that we think we see with our, one, our, our little two-eyed perspective. And yet the seven eyes of the Lord, he sees from every angle. He knows what they went through. He knows the hurt. He knows the misguided good intentions. I think of that of Peter drawing that sword on Malchus. Some of the best intentions. I'm going to defend God. I'm going to pull the sword out. I'm going to interrupt this and I'm going to free Jesus. The best of intentions in the worst moment. He was outside of the plan of God. This was God's plan all along. Hey, some of us tonight can say that we've been hurt before by the best of intentions. And, 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 and oftentimes, every man is right in his own eyes. I know it seems like you're in the right and they're in the wrong, but they probably had a reason to believe they were in the right. And the only thing that I can do is take that to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't understand it. Jesus, I can't reconcile it. Lord, I don't even have, know quite how to deal with it. But Lord, I need you to empower me to love in the way that you love. I need you to help me forgive in the way that you forgive. Because this love. In this love, the whole law is fulfilled. This love was the purpose from the very beginning. This love. Every single one of those ten commandments were centered around the idea of loving God and loving our brother made in the image of God. If you stop it and you consider it for a moment, have no gods before me. That's loving God. And and, 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 and don't make for yourself an idol that's loving nothing else before God. And don't take the name of the Lord in vain because I love him and I'm not, going to, I'm not going to misappropriate the use of his name and remember the Sabbath day because I love him and I'm going to set apart the first of my time for him and honor your father and mother because I'm to love them as I love God. And, and, and do not murder because murder is rooted in hate, but I love my brother as unto the Lord. And do not commit adultery because the love to my spouse is should be as deep as Christ's love for the church and do not steal because I can't steal from someone that I love and don't bear false witness because how could we bear false witness when we love someone and, 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 and do not covet my neighbor's house or any of his belongings because I cannot covet when I love them. Every one of these commandments rooted in loving God and loving our brother made in the image of God. First John 4.20, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God 
whom he hath not seen. Think of Jesus saying, I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. When did we do that? As you did it to the least of these. You did it unto me. It's a, it's a difficult topic. It, it's a heavy thing to have to reconcile. Because people will hurt you. If you're looking at me tonight thinking, really? I, I, just, I haven't really experienced that. I promise you, you will. I'm the bearer of bad news tonight. You will. Someone's going to be in the wrong and you might be in the right. And you know what? Sometimes we think we're in the right. And we really weren't. But it's in those moments I've got to look at my brother and I've got to love them with a Christ-like love as unto God. Lord, I'm going to care for them as if I was caring for you. Lord, I'm going to give to them as if I was giving to you. Lord, I'm going to be merciful to them as the way you were merciful for, to me. And I'm going to abide in you and you and me. And you're going to enable me to love. To love in the manner that you would have for me to love. Quickly, coming to a close tonight, I'll call you to a couple of other references. In Luke 6 and verse 35, he tells us clearly, I won't read the entirety of the verse, but he tells us who to love. To love our enemies. Not always to love just our brothers as we first been admonished, but, but the, there would come times that we, we love our enemies and we observe this love. We observe it not just with his enemies, we observe it with his brethren. We observe, observe it as the almighty God in the flesh lowers himself to wash feet. We, we observe it when this mighty and pure God in the flesh, the man Christ Jesus, as, as he reaches out to heal the leper, and, and though the, the leper was unclean, Jesus lays hands on him. It, it's, it's a kind of love that we so often resist. We, we tend, whether we try to or not, we tend in our flesh to be respecters of persons. And we're warned repeatedly of the, of the end that that produces. That we're not just supposed to love. Scripture talks about the man that comes into the assembly with a gold ring and goodly apparel. Come and sit with me. We've got a seat for you. We've got a place for you. And then the man that comes in and he doesn't have the same apparel. In fact, it describes his peril as being somewhat, I, I, the word escapes me tonight, but it's another way of saying a wretched apparel. It's, it's a filthy apparel. And that man comes in and I say, okay, you can stand back over here. I got a special spot for you. It's out in that hallway. That's so often the way that we, we, we treat people, and in doing so, we can have such a misled love. We, we can think that that's love. But love looks like reaching to the least and loving, loving those that in this world's eye, maybe they're the best, maybe they're wealthy, maybe they're good, maybe they've done some good things, and loving them the same. It's not just withdrawing from both. Well, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't pull out the chair for the good guy and send him out. To, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about withdrawing. It's about making sure that I give with that very same love to every individual. 
hey, I'm not a member of this church, but just from observing and from being around you and from observing your pastor, I know one thing about this church. There's a seat for everybody. There's a place for everybody. There is grace that is sufficient for everybody. There's a place to be involved for everybody. Those waters of baptism are for everybody. And these altars are for everybody from the greatest to the least. We're not exclusive. We're not running around saying, I'm an apostolic Pentecostal. What are you? I'm something special. What are you? That's not how we're walking around. But we're walking around through, through the enablement of the Spirit, doing our very best to love with his love. And show mercy as he showed mercy to us. Stand with me across this room. I Turn your attention to one more passage, 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Of course, we referenced Paul. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm becoming as sounding brass, tinkling cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, this is love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. And then he describes what this love is to look like, this Christ-like love, this love that you and I are supposed to have. It's a charity that suffereth long. It's kind. It envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek her own. It is not easily provoked. It does not think evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things. Sometimes through his love, there's some things that I didn't expect to carry, but I can bear it by his love. It believeth all Thanks. Even when people don't give me a good reason to, to, to think anything good or to have good faith through the enablement of, it, of his spirit, it believeth all things. And even when it can't believe, believes it, it hopeth all things. It beareth, it believeth, it hopeth. This is the kind of love that I want to live with tonight. I just wonder if you'd lift your hands to the Lord and call on him for a moment. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help me to make things right with anyone that I have all against. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord that you would reach into situations, into divisions, into people that have opposed one another or hurt one another, and that you would begin to reconcile healing in those situations. God, this love you gave us to keep us in this world. This love you gave us to be able to care for our brothers and preserve one another. God, we can't make it in this world without that kind of love. Come on, lift your own voice to the Lord right now. God, I'm making a decision right now to forgive because in doing so, I'm not only releasing them, I'm releasing myself tonight from carrying around that unforgiveness. 
God, they didn't know what they did. And sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, God. We need your love. We need your love. Help us to walk in that humility. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us, Lord, to wash one another's feet. Maybe you'd like to find somebody and reach over and begin to pray with them. God, unite us. Unify us one to another. God, we know that unity was a prerequisite of your move of your spirit at Pentecost. We want an outpouring of your spirit in the world, but we need your love. We want a demonstration of your spirit, but we need your humility. God, we want you to move, but we need unity, God. Unity in our church, unity in our movement. Unity in our ministries that we're involved in. Unity in our youth group. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost doing a work here tonight. I, I see people in the Spirit that are washing one another's feet right now. You're, you're humbling yourself and lowering, lowering yourself. God, lower me. Lower me to love my brother. God, humble me before you that I can love as you loved. Lord, the least is great in your kingdom. The least is great in your kingdom. God, help me to prefer my brother before myself. Lord, we give you all praise. And we glorify you. We, we worship you and love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we love because you first loved us. Come on, can we clap our hands to the Lord and turn that to a worship tonight?